So we're in a new series, brand new series called Happyology. And uh, I don't know about you, but I'm very eager to look at round things that are yellow. Anybody with me? <laughs> like I'm into that. So let's put that in our March series. And the idea of happyology is the theology of happiness. And uh, what's interesting about this idea of happiness is with a lot of things in scripture or in Christianity, if you will, there's ditches on each side. There's like, you can get way off on this side of the road and it's all about happiness and how God can make you blessed and God can make you happy and everything. And then God just becomes this genie, right? So you just rub the thing and God comes out and he's like, how can I make you happy today? And how you know, that's not it. But then you can get on the other side and you're over here and you're like, I'm a Christian and so I'm called to be poor and take up my cross and live crucified lives and not I that live, but Christ that live in me. So I shouldn't be happy about anything. And some of us actually know those Christians, right? Like, oh, they're a lot of fun to be around. And uh, that's not it either. That's not it either. There is sacrifice and there is take up your cross and, and follow him and sacrifice. And there's, there's that. But then there's also this side that God wants you blessed and he wants you. The scripture says that the joy of the Lord is our strength. And so to walk in strength or to walk in the way you should have joy in operation in your life. So being in the strength of God is to be somebody who has joy in their life. And so it's important for us to be, be happy. And uh, I know that's like a really happy, clappy, like kind of idea here in church. But, but there is things in scripture that pertain to you living a happy life, you having the joy of the Lord. And so for the next five weeks, we're going to break this down into pieces. And then hopefully at the end, we have this understanding that God has called you to be somebody who, uh, who, who is happy and, and, and who has uh, the joy in their life. And so um, today we're going to look specifically um, at what is the main thing to happiness. Like you were created. Of course, we believe here uh, the word of God is true, and we believe that it's all God breathed and inspired, and it's absolute. And so that means we believe in Genesis when God said he created the earth and he created mankind and he created Adam, we believe that he made Adam wired a certain way, which means we have certain things that make us tick, that make us who we are because God put that in there. And, uh, and so happiness and how we exist and how we operate uh, is, is how God created us to live. And so today uh, I want to take a look at like happiness and being happy. What is that thing that God wired in us? to be able to make us happy or pursue happiness. Um, John 10.10, 10, it's a very famous scripture. We'll start with it today. John 10.10 10 says, The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And, uh, of course, speaking of Jesus, the New Living Translation says it really a cool way. It says, The thief's purpose is to steal. So the thief here is talking about the devil or the enemy or Satan or uh however you would, would say it there. The thief's purpose is to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus saying, my purpose is to give them a rich and satisfying life. So God's design for us is to have a rich and satisfying life, satisfying, being happy, a joyful person, somebody who is excited about where you're at in life. Too often we've said, hey, come to know Christ and you'll be on your way to heaven and your sins will be forgiven. And then what? In the meantime, <laughs> 
Like, oh yeah, I want to go to heaven. That sounds great. But I got some years left to spend here on earth. What should I do with these? Well, you should, as the scripture says here, you should be rich and have a satisfying life. You should be somebody who uh, has life and has it to the full. And people say, you know, this scripture here is not talking about heaven and eternal life. It's talking about right here now on earth as a Christian, you can have full life and you can be rich and satisfied in life. Uh, but what do you do? You follow some principles of God. There's some things that you need to connect into. And so we hear it all the time in, in, in our world, the pursuit of happiness. And it sells best, you know, New York Times bestsellers are always, how do you live the best life? How are you the most successful? How can you be happy? It's all this pursuit of happiness. And when I thought about it, not every happy person that I know is happy because they have stuff. Like, so say, oh man, I would just be so, I mean, if I walked up to you right now, I was like, hey, how much do you owe on your mortgage? Here's that. How much do you owe on the cars? How much do you owe on the, and the kids to go to college? And I gave you all that you needed. You would be happy, right? Like, you, oh my gosh, I'm happy. You'd be really happy. But then after time, do you think you would still have some bad days? Of course we would, right? And, uh, and because I've known people who don't have all the stuff, but are very happy people, right? And, you know, and oftentimes when we think about it, the people who you're like, man, they never have a down day. They really carry joy. That, that's a person that I want to be around. A lot of times those aren't the rich, right? If you look at how our society, the culture has become so negative, like we love to step on and stand on others as entertainment. Oh my, you know, they go down the red carpet and we criticize this. So we do that. And that's all we do is that. But those are some entertainment is some of our happiest if you will, rich, got it put together. They should be happy. They have all the luxuries of happiness, but yet there's like this negative thing brewing. And, uh, and so just because you have stuff or just because you have needs met, that doesn't equal happiness. That doesn't e equal being content or having joy. Amen. And so I want to take a little bit of look at scripture here. What is it on the inside of you that at the end of the day brings happiness? We know it's not stuff. We know it's not money. We know it's not living in the right neighborhood, the right whatever. There's something inside out that brings happiness or that allows you to live in a place of joy or freedom. And I believe the scripture is going to point some of it out. And so I got a little bit of reading to do, and then we'll break it down. Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. We'll have it up here on the screen. It says, do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast your pearls before pigs. They trample them under their feet and turn and tear you in pieces. So the scripture here is saying something that's really precious to you, the pearl, the really precious thing. And, and there's another angle that we'll look at it here in a minute, but the precious thing. And what we're going to say is the holy thing. Don't take the holy thing. Don't take what is precious to you, your right standing, your righteousness. Don't take holiness and cast it in front of the dogs or the pig because they'll trample. And what, what, what we're trying to break down here is that this dedicated process of living holy, you have to understand that some people aren't excited about that for you in life. I want you to catch this because this is kind of the foundation. It's saying that you in your life can have a precious thing, a very holy thing. You can have this precious thing. And if you just cast it before anybody, like, hey, 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 here, here, this, 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 this. There's a, there's a chance that it's going to be trampled and not celebrated. How many of you in your walk with God or in Christianity, you're walking with God, you're taking steps to better yourself, you're taking steps to pursue God, and you go to tell somebody about it, and all of a sudden you feel like that thing got trampled. 
And it was a pearl thing. It was a beautiful thing. It wasn't, you weren't doing it because it was about you or it was about, it was like, hey, this is this thing that God did in my life and I'm excited about, and it's your holy thing. And all of a sudden you put it out and then it's been trampled. And you're like, what, what, how did this happen? What is the, and so the scripture starts to talk about how your, there are some things that you have to protect or preserve or, or be careful or be aware of because not everybody is excited about your pearl like what you would think. Uh, Matthew chapter 13, I'll continue to show you this. Matthew 13, 44, it says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for the joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. Verse 45, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a pearl or is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls who, when he found one pearl of great price, he went and sold all that he had and bought it. And so I want to clean up some phrasing here. The kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God for us is God's way of living. The kingdom of God is like God's operation. So the laws, the principles, the values of God, the kingdom of God, the righteousness of God uh, established here, the kingdom of God. And so they're saying here, again, the kingdom of God is like heaven. It's a beautiful thing. It's a, and so that's why we pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. We pray, uh, on earth as it is in heaven, meaning like your kingdom can come and reign here on earth. It's a beautiful thing that we can, so when we live generous and we forgive others and we walk in grace, that's the kingdom coming here on earth. Okay, we agree on that? And I know I'm setting up a lot here, but hang with me. And so it's saying, so here's this guy who finds the kingdom. He says, this is the way to live. The way of the world is not the way to live. That is no value to me. That is not what I'm inspired by. That is not what God's called me to live. But this kingdom over here, this thing that I found, the ways of God, the things of God, this is beautiful and this is holy and this, and I'm going to get rid of all that I have to be able to participate in this thing. Somebody say amen. You're with me. So this is holy. This is beautiful. This is everything to me. This kingdom of God living is the most beautiful thing. And he sold everything that he had to go be a part of it. I want to point this out. It said uh, in verse 44 again, it said, for when the man found it, the joy over, for the joy over it, he went and sold all that he had. Notice that when he lived in the kingdom, he found joy over the fact that he was living in the kingdom. So that's one thing I want to point out. When we live a kingdom lifestyle or a Christian lifestyle or the ways of God lifestyle in our life, there's joy that comes from that. Scripture says when he found that and entered into the kingdom way of living, there was joy because of it. And he went and sold that all he had to participate in this kingdom thing. And I'm not getting up here and saying, hey, you got to sell everything that you have to be happy. <laughs> We're not going down that road. But when you live and you protect the God things in your life and the pure pearls in your life and, and you preserve and protect that which is holy, there's joy that comes from that. Saying, I'm gonna protect, this matters to me. I can't compromise it the way that they compromise. I can't, I can't go down to that level. Not that we're better than anybody, but I can't participate in that. What is the that? Sins and compromise and wrong thinking. I can't go to there because this thing is pure and holy, Amen. So a little bit more reading, and then I'll kind of break it down for you some more. Matthew 7, 6. We'll start over again. I read the first part, but then we'll read the rest. Matthew 7, 6. It says, Do not give what is holy to the dogs, nor cast the pearls before pigs. They trample them under their feet, turn and tear you in pieces. Verse 7. Ask, and it will be given to you, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Verse 8. For everyone who asks receives and he who seeks finds, and him who knocks, it will be opened. 
Or what man is there among you who, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Verse 10. If he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? Verse 11. If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask? So the scripture here is kind of saying it like this. And, and, and I, I'm not stretching it. My interpretation, one thought that I pull from this is this. The scripture could be saying like this. I don't understand why you feel like your needs aren't being met. Because if somebody, even if someone in the earth wants to give good gifts to their children, why don't you have an understanding that me as God want to get you good gifts? And so he's saying, I don't understand why you don't feel like your needs are being met. And uh, what I'm saying by that is this. Why do we in our culture always have this idea of, oh, I got to keep up with the Joneses. I'm not, we fall into unhappiness because we're like, I'm not keeping up. I'm not keeping up. I got to go over here and I got to keep up with this thing. And I'm telling you, it's like a great scheme of the enemy, right? It, 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 it happens in every single thing that we do. Uh, I told you a couple weeks ago, I had to go buy a new car. Um, my Ford Ranger Splash 1996 two-wheel drive edition, believe it or not, rusted out and crumbled on me. <laughs> and uh, I didn't think it could happen. It was like Superman dying. And um, so I had to go buy a car. I had to go buy a car. And, uh, and so I'm going around the lots and there's a Great used car lot right here in Zealand. And, uh, and so I'm going around. And, you know, so you're looking at cars. And isn't it funny how, like, in your mind, you're just, oh, okay, so I got to get this kind of car. And you, like, you almost make decisions on buying things. And, and I might be very unholy. And you are like, I don't relate to that. <laughs> but you kind of go, like, what kind of car do I want? You start and you almost start making decisions before you even think about the mechanics of it and stuff. How do I want it to look? How do I want it to... And why? Because, uh, you know, you're trying to keep up with like everything else and, you know, doesn't have this and that. Uh, I also thought about, we were at Disney on Ice yesterday and uh, you go to Disney on Ice and kind of your thought process, you know, they got all the games and toys and all the stuff there. And uh, even in little children, you know, I got my daughter and I'm so mean. Uh, and so we went there and uh, no toys for you, Caroline, like none. I'm not taking out a second mortgage for that little light toy that's going to break. <laughs> um, no, I'm just kidding. She's spoiled. We actually went on Thursday, too, because we were blessed with some tickets for Thursday. So she had already been, and she got her toys then and stuff or whatever. So anyway, it's interesting in a two-year-old how she's doing this, looking around like, hey, everybody else has got. How come I don't get to keep up with it? I know she just wanted a toy. She wasn't trying to keep up with the Joneses. But isn't it interesting, really young already? We're just like, hey, everybody else is. I want to, you know. And so in our lives, it's a great thing of culture that's like, hey, I need that because of that, instead of like spending our energy going, God, what is it that you want me to have in my life? Not because the neighbor down the road or because of the next thing, I want that because so-and-so has it. We should be spending our energies like, hey, God. And that's what the scripture is saying here is like, look, yes, the world, they know how to give good gifts. They know how to do that. But imagine if you spent your energies drawing from gifts from God instead of like the carnal earthly ways of doing things. Uh, so often we get caught up in, greener pastures. God, if I could just be over there, if I just, if I didn't have this, if I could be over in that kind of a scenario, it would be so much better. I'd be so much happier if I went to those pastures instead of saying, hey, God, um, I believe that you can green up these pastures that I'm in. Somebody say amen. Isn't it interesting the risk? Isn't it interesting the, you, you know, you think about people who make terrible decisions and ruin their jobs and ruin their marriages and stuff. Instead of having faith to fix where they're at, 
they'll make stupid decisions and come all the way over here and lose and ruin what they have instead of just saying to God, hey, God, can you green up where I'm at? Can you help me where I'm at? Will you help me invest and connect in what I have here? Amen? Sometimes staying power, like stickability, is the best ability, just sticking through it and trusting God. Amen? And then you've heard me talk a lot about destination disease, destination disease of, oh, if I can just get to that, then I'll be happy. And we do it all throughout our life. Oh, once I get a car, then I'll be happy because I'll be driving. Once I get out of my parents' house, then I'll be happy. Once I get married, then I'll be happy. Yes. And then once I have kids, then I'll be happy. And then you get a new car, and then your two-year-old's been in your car for like five days, and you open the back seat, and you're like, what happened back here? We don't even have this kind of food in the house. Where did you get, where'd you get this? Why did I have kids? I thought I'd be happy. <laughs> Who wants mine? That's on the way. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> kidding, obviously kidding. But oh, if I get a kid, then I'll be happy. Once the kids get out of the house, I'll be happy. <laughs> and then all, and once I retire, I'll be happy. And we have all this destination disease. If I finally get to here, instead of going, hey, God, I'm living on this earth, this beautiful thing that you have created and you've entrusted me to and, and you've sent your son and the Holy Spirit and I have all of these great tools here to live a very happy life now. God, I trust that you give good gifts and then you, you talk back and forth. Like, God, God, what do you want to get me in my life? What do, you, what do you want me to, how can I walk? How can I be a better servant unto you? And then you just draw on the gifts of God instead of saying, I want to get to that and then if I get that, I'll be happy and I'll get that, be happy. Amen? So I think happiness comes from this idea of, number one, trusting that happiness comes from God. And you have a God who wants to give you good gifts. You have a God who wants you to be happy and wants to take care of you. But there's a protecting and a preserving of the things of God in your life that has to happen before God can give you good gifts. Amen? Light on the amens there. <laughs> Is it going? Okay. I thought about this, and then we're going to have some fun with a couple analogies here. Uh, I thought about this. Obviously, we all know that we're people of tremendous destiny. Uh, the fact that God created us, and then when there was the fall of man, he sent his son to redeem us, which is incredible because we have incredible destiny. But then when Jesus ascended back into heaven, he said, I'm going to send you the comforter, the Holy Spirit, who's going to help you. And so we have the help of the Holy Spirit while we're here. And so we're people of tremendous destiny, so much more than you could ever think there are people, the, the, the promise, here, here's the thing with it. We all know God has great things for our life. We'd all agree. So if we lay it all out, we're just talking in a big room. Uh, oh, I know God wants great things for my life. I know he wants to do great things. Awesome. But the problem is where we get pulled away is the pressures or the attractions of the world. They don't become more attractive than the things of God. They just get more attention. Like nobody in this room, I would say, hey, you choose do you want the things of God or do you want some sin? You guys would be like, I want the things of God, right? We would all do that. But we fall into the sin things, wrong thinking, bad choices. We fall into those things. Why? Because we allow them to become more in front of our face than the things of God or what God or the God promises in our life. And so, uh, and that's why the enemy keeps us so distracted. He keeps our phones blown up and our DVR full of shows to watch and all of these distractions that we have in life. Why? Because if our eyes stay on those things, they'll be off the promises of God in our life. Amen? And so it's important for us to know we are people of tremendous destiny. Keep that aware because no one chooses sin over the things of God on purpose. Like, oh, I just, 
I feel like being a person who's going to just, I'd rather throw it all away than be someone great for God. I know there's people that get in seasons of rebellion that would literally say that. Oh, I don't want the things of God. I want to, I get that. But what I'm saying is in our heart of hearts, we would all say, I want the things of God. And so we're people of tremendous destiny. And what's awesome about God is he gives you vision in your life so that you can take the things of God and have a vision and it gives you something to pursue. So when I'm talking about happiness, oh, I want to be happy. I want to be a person who's happy. Uh, I want happiness in my life, the joy of the Lord. You have to set a vision for your life that you pursue. You say, I don't, that sounds weird. Like, how am I going to be happy if I'm pursuing a vision? Because it gives, it gives you a goal. It gives you a plan. Here's why. Because vision is not so that you can plan, but vision is so that you can be unsatisfied with where you're at. You say, now, wait a minute. You're talking about being happy. And then you're telling me that I should be unsatisfied. You're all going to relate to this. This is the honest to God truth. In pursuit of happiness, it's important for us to be disconnecting or unsatisfied with the old seasons in our life. You say, I don't know what you're talking about. Listen, when I was a little kid, I loved my little big wheel, the plastic one. Like, and you spun it and you went in the mud with it and whatever. I was so happy with that little big wheel. It made me really happy because I love that big wheel. <laughs> but if I was, because I'm 31 right now, if I didn't become unsatisfied with that big wheel for something else that makes me happy, you guys would think I'm pretty weird, right? Rolling up in here on my big wheel, <laughs> still satisfied <laughs> with this big wheel. Come on, Caroline, <laughs> we're going home, <laughs> this big wheel. So you're like, wait a second. Well, what I did was I graduated, because the scripture says we grow from glory to glory, I graduated from a place of happiness to happiness because I like my car, I like my, and, and you say, but, but I did get unsatisfied. And so you say, is it possible for a Christian to be happy all the time? No, it's not. Why? Why is it? Why can't we be happy all the time? Because there's seasons in your life where you're breaking away from here to go to here and God uses vision to say, hey, go to here be disconnected with here because, because what I go from, I went from the big wheel and then I walked into the Schwinn dealer and I was like, I want that, you know, and I got a vision for my life about what was next. So can you be happy? Can you have the joy of the Lord? Yes, obviously you can, but, but are you going to be happy and never have a bad day? No, because sometimes seasons of your life, you have to sort of unsatisfied, get a new vision and point to the next thing. You guys with me? Is that okay? Lamentation says this. It says she had uncleanness in her skirts. She did not consider her destiny. Therefore, her collapse was awesome. The scripture doesn't say that the sin is what caused her. The uncleanness in her skirts is the thing that caused her to collapse. It was saying because she didn't consider her destiny. She had a fall away from the way that she was supposed to live. Uh, the, the, the picture here is that because she didn't consider her destiny or the things that God had for her, it caused a great collapse in her life. Not because she was like, oh, I want sin. It's so much better. It was because she wasn't a person who lived considering what God had for her. She lost sight of her purpose. We don't fall into sin because it's more attractive than the things of God. It's just we, we fail to consider or keep the things of God in front of us. So I thought about it this way. My wife is, um, again, 37 days away from having our son. And so she's pregnant. And so I'm going to have some fun picking on her. Who's with me on that? Okay, okay. Oh my gosh, you guys are terrible. Anyone who says that? No. So who's ever heard of pregnancy brain? Right? Okay. If you haven't, you're just being nice because you're next to your wife. 
or someone you know. But listen, Galatians 4.19, here's what I say. She can pick on me all she wants, but she's not a public speaker, and uh, she just doesn't get the opportunity. So I'm just kidding. Uh, she, she, uh, just so you all know, because every time I pick on her, everyone's like, you're so mean to her. Uh, she doesn't mind. Like, she knows it's just who I am. She married me, and I love her and cherish her, and so I'm really not mean to her. Um, but it just helped me write a sermon, okay? And, like, <laughs> I wasn't going to do it, but then she proved again this morning with some of her pregnancy brain that's what the Lord wants me to do today. <laughs> so, but Galatians 4.19, it says this. It says, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. And this was Paul writing it, and he wasn't talking about having an actual kid. What he's talking about is the process he said, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth until Christ is formed in you. He's talking about Christ on the inside of us being formed and being nurtured and growing and uh, evolving. Christ on the inside of us is something that you grow in and you grow in. And so I have a few parallels to pregnancy and to this idea of scripture of Christ being formed in us. Here's the thought is what I've been talking about a little bit. It's easy to lose sight of the things of God in our life, as I already talked about. It's easy to get busy and get distracted. Out of sight is out of mind. It's kind of a true thought here in the things of God. We know we should love towards others. We know we should extend grace and forgiveness, but it's easy to go through our days and get frustrated and, and, and get off the path. You all agree, right? I'm not saying anything crazy. So out of sight is sometimes out of mind, but the scripture says this, that there is the one thing that we love, which we cannot see talking about God in our life. I didn't pull all the scripture for you, but scriptures say there's this one thing that we love that we cannot see. And so talking about the God, Christ being formed in us, our relationship with God, First John says we're loving him who we have not seen. And if you think about it in terms of like what Paul said, um, this Christ being formed in us or childbirth or pregnancy, just as a mother loves her child before she's ever seen it, here's the deal. My wife, like this time, um, well, both times we were kind of maybe trying to get pregnant, one of those things, but like she knew it was one of those, like, I don't know. I think I might be pregnant. I was like, you're crazy. It's not possible. Well, maybe, yeah, that one time it was the thing. Okay, maybe. <laughs> um, and so, but it's interesting with the, with the mom, like so early on, she's, wait a second. Hold on a second. I think I might, think I might be. Uh, why? Because there's an inward dwelling that starts to happen that she pays attention to and picks up on early, right? There's this form, it's like, yeah, there's this thing that's happening on the inside of me. Maybe you've been in an environment where you hear a, a worship song or the pastor says something or shares a scripture and all of a sudden you're just like, ooh, like there, that, there's something to that, like those lyrics or that scripture or you read this thing, it's like, oh, there's something, there's something there. I feel that uh, starting to form in me. Why? It's because it's a step of, of God on the inside of it's Jesus on the that thing which we love that we cannot see kind of growing on the inside of you, even though she's, well I guess, you kind of debate it but even though she's never really touched, obviously it's on the inside of her but Jess has never held the baby right yeah like hasn't really held I guess sometimes like she like holds it and her stomach rubs it whatever but uh, even though she had never hold it, she's paying attention to it she knows it's there she's considering of it she's protecting or preserving that thing that's being formed on the inside of her. 
Same thing in our Christian walk. We have this thing, this pearl, this God thing, this kingdom living that's, that's growing on the inside of us. And even though we've never like fully held that or comprehended it to its full degree, we still preserve it and protect it and pay attention to it. Amen? The other thing that causes her to pay attention to it is it's taking from her. It's taking her from her. Uh, you eat more. You drink more. Uh, it steals a lot more of your energy. Um, causes you to sleep really funny, you know? I sometimes don't know if, like, bears came in our room and got in the bed. <laughs> Is there a lion sleeping next to me? I don't know what happened. Um, and it's so because it's taking from her. It's taking energy. She's exhausted. And uh, she does a lot. She's doing a great job. And so it's exhausting. And so you're like, oh, my gosh, you know, it's taking from her. So she's paying attention to that. Same thing in our life. Uh, when we talk about uh, there's a Christ being formed on the inside of us. And so we would say um, Christ in our lives takes from us. Now, what do, you, what do you mean? What does that mean? It means we sacrifice our flesh for the cause of Christ that's being formed on the inside of us. I wish I could participate. I shouldn't say it like that. Your nature wants to participate in that habit or that behavior or continue that thing, but you don't. Why? Because I'm sacrificing my flesh. Why? Because I'm giving it to something better. Amen? Um, in our lives, same thing, you know, especially as a dad. Like, oh, okay, you're pregnant, you know, and you're pregnant, whatever, and then that's one stage. Like, you're pregnant, okay, cool, you're pregnant. And then the, the second stage for the dad, at least, is when you go to the doctor and you find out the gender, and it comes a little bit more real. You know, um, when it was Caroline, you know, we both did the, oh, I don't care what it is. You know, a boy, girl, we'll be happy both ways. And we both said that. And uh, so the doctor's doing the thing. And so it's like, oh, you want to know what it is? Yeah, I want to know what it is. And uh, it's a girl for our first one. And Jess like, oh, my gosh, hysterically crying. And I was like, what? what, what? She's like, I wanted it to be a girl. <laughs> like she, she confessional or whatever. And, uh, and right in my, th my thinking was like, this just got a lot more expensive. <laughs> this just <laughs> went up a notch, went up a notch. Um, so it gets more real. You find out boy, girl, whatever. And so that's a stage, you know, that you're like, okay, it's become more real. You know, I know what it is. And so you're connecting. And I think we have those stages in our lives too, as Christians, you, you come to know Christ and, and, and you're a new believer. And then all of a sudden you get tested for the first time, or you have this encounter. You'd like, maybe you lead somebody to Christ for the first time, or you extend forgiveness where you thought you never could have extended forgiveness. And like that idea of being a Christian became real. You sort of saw it in real life and you're like, wow, this thing is real. And that's why I encourage you to participate in like Kids Hope or serve at the church or be in a way that you can go from maybe reading it on text or uh, having it be a part of your prayer life to literally being somebody who's like, wow, this is real life in my life. I've seen God move in my everyday life. It becomes another level of real. Another thing that happens, as I just mentioned, when you find out that you're growing something on the inside is... Uh, you respond to that inward dwelling. How do you respond? You respond by changing what you put on the inside, right? And so, hey, I'm, I'm forming this thing. I'm growing this thing. And so Jess is, uh, whatever they're called, I don't know because I don't drink coffee, but whatever her coffee is at Big B Starbucks that usually comes with three or four shots of espresso no longer happens, right? And so you change what you put in. Uh, she's got to stop smoking and she can't drink. <laughs> and... Um, <laughs> Got to take her scotch away, and she loves that <laughs> with Jeopardy. She just her Jeopardy and scotch and cigars. I can't let her have them anymore. <laughs> and so she's pregnant, so we take that away. 
But honestly, and I'm making jokes, but like it's true. There's things that that part isn't true. <laughs> but it's true. Same thing with us. If we're forming something on the inside, it's this relationship that we're nurturing with God, that pearl, that beautiful kingdom thing. There's things you can't put in your life anymore. There's, there's thought patterns. There's ways that you talk. There's things that you view. There's jokes that you stoop to. There's interactions that you have with people that you can't be putting in anymore because it will damage the thing that you're forming on the inside of you. Amen? The scripture says that we are to work out our own salvation. So the, so the process of salvation, it's something we work out. It's something we birth into our lives. We work out this process of salvation in our life. The scripture says that Christ in you is the hope of glory. And so there's just something. The scripture says we have this treasure in earth in vessel, meaning in our body we have this treasure, this, this Christ that we carry on the inside of us. The scripture says the whole creation groans in travail, waiting for the manifestation of the sons of God. And so speaking of just like coming into existence, the sons and daughters, this, this thing that we're talking about, something is wrong if there isn't an outward dwelling of an inward manifestation. If Jess was pregnant and you, nothing changed, oh, I'm pregnant, the doctor says you're pregnant, and nothing grew and nothing changed and you did the ultrasound, nothing was there, would she be pregnant? No, the proof is in the change. And same thing in our lives. I, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christ follower. We need to see growth in that. And I'm not saying we need to judge each other and look at each other, but I'm saying in your life, Jess is always, she's preparing for change in her life, physically, even in her body. There, you know, you go from jeans to the yoga pants and you do that because you're growing. And, uh, and I eat as much as she does, so I'm doing yoga pants and stuff too. And so... <laughs> She's like, hey, it's 10 o'clock at night. Do you want to go to Wendy's and get a cheeseburger? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Who doesn't want to do that? And they have the Junior Frosty key tag. Have you not got that yet? That's the benefit of kids. Like for a dollar, you get a key tag with a Junior Frosty. Every time you buy something there, you get a free Junior Frosty for the year. So <laughs> this is a true story, actually. I was holding Caroline, and the lady pitched that to me. She's like, okay, so for a dollar, you get a free Junior Frosty. Would you like to do that? And Caroline actually goes, yes. <laughs> And I was going to use her as my excuse, but she just did it anyway. That was me holding her, in case you, I had her, I was holding her. Okay, I don't know if I explained that. It's being weird. <laughs> anyway, so the Junior Frosty, like whatever, I don't know where I'm going. But there's changes, like you, you should see growth in your life. You should see things change on the account of what is happening on the inside of you. And so, same thing in our life. You should be feeling uh, the changes. Uh, she's at the stage now that Caroline can come up and put her hands on her belly and, you know, we can and, and they're bumping and all kinds of stuff going on. And when I'm running around the house being crazy with Caroline, he gets excited about it. He wakes up and kind of gets all moving and stuff and she can feel it. And that growth on the inside of you as you grow in the things of God, like I said, you should feel that. You should hear a word and you should sing a song and read a lyric or be in your Bible and study and get a kick and get a movement of like, ooh, yeah, that, that relates, that reflects, that's a thing. There should be times where you're going to, um, she has to lean over the car seats or sometimes reach things in the back and he doesn't like the way that she's like smashing him, <laughs> you know. Caroline, I gotta pick up your juice, but we're gonna smash your brother is what she says, you know. <laughs> and he kicks, he gets mad, you know, whatever. That should happen to us. In our Christian walk with God, we should be, you know, entering into an, unco you know, you're, you got an opportunity to compromise, you know, make a bad decision, a non-kingdom decision, you should be feeling kicks on the insides. It says like, no, don't do it. Don't do it. I don't like this. This isn't the right. Amen? A couple of funny stories, and I'll close it up. Um, speaking of Wendy's, um, <laughs> we, uh, 
a couple of days ago, we went to Wendy's, and uh, I, this is the wonderful pregnancy brain. We go to Wendy's, and we all order together. We were inside. And so we order. We go up to the thing, and we order. And uh, when I say we order, she orders. I order mine. She orders. And, um, <laughs> and so we order. We pay. He gives us the tray. We walk back to the seat. We sit down, and, we o- and Jess opens up her food. And remember, she ordered. So she goes up. She orders her food. She gets the tray. She goes back down to the seat. So she sits down. She opens it up, and she goes, oh, good. You ordered it without tomato. It's like, you just ordered that two minutes ago, pregnancy brain. <laughs> like two minutes ago. It's like, oh, honey, look at you. Ordered, you remembered no tomato. You just ordered that. <laughs> and I wasn't going to say it. I wasn't going to make fun of her until today. We've been in our office for about a year and a half. And the way you get into our office, you twist the handle and you open the door. I'm sitting at the desk just kind of preparing to, and I hear like, <laughs> and then she opens the door. She goes, oh my gosh, I was trying to pull it open. <laughs> just having a tough time with that this morning. Well, it's, it's fine. We, we change it for the winter. We go the other way for the winter. It's like your ceiling fan. <laughs> don't worry, honey. We reversed it. <laughs> I don't have a spiritual transition for that analogy. I just think it's funny. Um, But here's my point and kind of what I want to end with. is like in your life, you have to consider what God's doing in your life and the kingdom walk that he's called you to and all those things. You have to protect and preserve and be aware and you have to make lifestyle adjustments and you say, what does that have to do with happiness? Right standing with God or righteousness or holy living is the fundamental step one to happiness. If you're living outside of the way that God designed you to live, you're never going to be happy. It's that void. It's that hole. You're never going to find the peace that you want. You may be entertained enough to live a life that you sort of get by and you had a good time, but you didn't have that dwelling of peace on the inside of you. And so the start of happyology for me is an encouragement to you saying, start the walk with God that you're considering the ways and the things of God forming and growing on you in your life because that's the base or the beginning of happiness. Happiness outside of God doesn't exist, in my opinion, amen? And then the last thing I want to encourage you is this. When my sister had uh, our family, my side of the family's first, so I have an older sister and a younger brother, and she was the first to have a a kid, and uh, she had a daughter, and so uh, I wasn't married yet, my brother wasn't married yet, and so as the uncles we love to come over. And so we'd come over and we'd play and we'd take pictures and we'd do all this kind of stuff. And uh, we were uncles. But what we didn't do was change diapers and get up at three in the morning and deal with throw up and all the kind of stuff that comes with it. We were custody uncles, right? And the problem that is happening in culture is we have too many custody uncle Christians. They like to go to church when it's fun and do a thing and take a picture and say they're a Christian and go to the Bible study but nobody's cleaning up messes and grinding it out at three in the morning. That's a good spot to, amen, like, right? Okay, okay. And so we're not gonna be that at Vertical Church, and I know you're not that. And, and my encouragement is that that's not, that's not it for us. That's not the way God called us to live. We, we gotta be the people who are sold out to growing and nurturing the kingdom of God in our communities that we're excited about getting in the mess. We're excited about the 3 a.m.s and the, because here's the deal. <laughs> for, for Jess, for me, the burden is beautiful at the end of the day. Trav, you can come play. 
obviously it's intense. You know, you're carrying the baby, you're preserving the thing, and it changes your body, and it's exhausting. But it's, it's beautiful, right? It's beautiful. And so the three AMs and the puke on the floor and the messy diaper and all that kind of stuff, we all know this. There'll be a day when you wish you could get back to it. Why? Because it was beautiful. Because at the end of the day, it was actually the best thing you were ever involved in. And it's the same thing in our walk with God is, hey, we're forming this thing. We're growing this thing. We're, we're, and yeah, the burden is tough and it's hard and it's exhausting. And it changes a lot of things about our lives. But when you go through it and God is the God who gives good gifts and when all of those things are in play, it's beautiful. And you would never give it back because it's the best thing you could ever be a part of. There's beauty in the burden. I believe God would rather have one person with the burden than a hundred with just interest. Like the uncle. Like, oh, I'm going to come be an uncle and come have fun and kind of, if he could just find one who's willing to, to, to carry the burden and birth the beautiful thing. And, and God can do a lot with that. Amen? The world needs to see some people carry the burden, the beauty of the burden. Too many Christians are saying stuff like, oh, got this to say and this to say and this to say. But if the world could see us carry the burden, if they could see the beauty of the burden and then see it all come to existence in the birth, in the life, right? I'll tell you, people are inspired by growth, seeing things grow on our Facebook. I can put up a picture of like a Lamborghini. We get a couple of put up a picture of Caroline, people are like, oh, we love kids because you love seeing things grow up. We love it. I do the same thing with, with your kids and stuff like, oh, that's awesome. They're doing this and do, why? Because we love to see things grow and come into what they're called to be. If we can do that in our communities, if as a church, we can grow our community of what, it, what it, the way it should be and interact, what a beautiful thing that we could be as a church. Amen. We talked about this in our Bible study on Wednesday, but the rich, wrong, the rich young ruler the story says that he has it all. He comes to Jesus. He says, hey, I've kept all the commandments. And the scripture says he's, re- he's wealthy, he's powerful, he's rich. And the scripture says that he says to Jesus, what do I still lack? What do I still lack? And Jesus says to him, hey, go sell everything and follow me. And he wasn't willing to do it. He was like bummed out and he ended up not following Jesus. And one of my ideas about this story or parable, if you will, this, or this whole thing here is this. He had everything. He had all the fake happiness, if you will. It says that he kept the rules. He had everything that he needed. But what he didn't have was relationship with God. He had stuff and he kept rules, but he wasn't growing and pursuing and, and for this Christ on the inside of him. And so what do I still lack? I still feel this lack. Why? Because there wasn't a pursuit for the things of God. There was just rules in his life. And so for us to be happy, uh, we have to be considerate of the things of God in our life and what he's doing on the inside of us. Amen? You can stand to your feet. Why don't we all bow our heads and close our eyes? We'll be out of here in just a couple minutes. But here's, here's the thought that I want to share with you. It would be kind of ridiculous for me to let you leave 
without giving you the invitation to start this pursuit for God if you've never done that before, if you've never considered the kingdom or the pearl or the beauty thing or righteousness of God in your life. And so if you're in here and uh, you say, hey, Pastor Josh, that's me. Today, I want to start a walk with God. I want to put my eyes on him. I want to make a decision to pursue him and the things of God. Nobody's looking around. Everybody's bowing their heads and closing their eyes. I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to join a class. I'm not going to ask you to do any of that. I just want to pray for you right where you are. And so I won't come where you are. I'll stay here. We'll actually all repeat the prayer together. But what it does is this. The scripture says, if you confess with your mouth that Christ is Lord, you shall be saved. Basically paraphrasing there. But if with your words you confess Jesus Christ as Lord of your life, you're starting on a journey with God. It's Christianity. Your sins are forgiven. You're on your way to heaven. And so all I'm going to ask you to do is when I count to three, I'll have you raise your hand and then I'll pray with you. And so not going to embarrass you again, not going to call you forward or anything like that. I just want to make this connection with you. Um, and we can pray this prayer together. And it's the start to an incredible, incredible thing. That, that burden, that beauty that I was talking about um, starts in your life. You're growing something beautiful, that pearl. So if you're in here, just raise your hand on the count of three. One, two, three. You'd like me to pray that prayer with you? Anybody in here see that hand? Anybody else? It's an awesome, incredible thing. Anybody else? Cool, you can put your hand down. Here's what we can do. If you're maybe uncomfortable raising your hand, just pray this prayer with us. You want to make that decision, but you were a little uncomfortable raising your hand. Just agree with us in this prayer, and um, it'll be the same because it's about your heart towards God not really me seeing anything. So let's all pray this prayer. Let's say this. Repeat after me. Say, God, today I choose you to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me of my sins. Help me to walk with you. In Jesus' name.